Today, the fourth Sunday of Easter is often referred to as Good Shepherd Sunday, and that's because the gospel, which we hear, talks about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And we also have a, a reference to Jesus as the Shepherd in the second reading and the responsorial psalm, Psalm 23, one of the most well-known parts of Scripture, very beautiful psalm about how God is truly our Good Shepherd. I've heard this particular gospel hundreds of times, as well as many of you have, have done the same, but it really, it really came to life for me about five years ago. I was assigned to a U.S. Army base in Vicenza in northern Italy, which is about 15 miles west of Padova, where St. Anthony of Padua is buried. And I lived just outside the city of Vicenza in a 16th century Italian villa. This villa was built by a family 450 years ago, and the same family owns it today. In fact, my landlord is a duke. And the villa was quite beautiful. It was surrounded by a wall on many sides, and it was surrounded completely by a moat or a canal. And we had a rose garden on the grounds as well as a, a chapel. It was the family chapel for this family. The chapel itself was built in 1691. And the stones to build this chapel were taken from another church, which was built centuries before that. And I had, I was the only one except for the landlord who had the key to this, this small church, which is, I'll be honest, it's more beautiful than, than the majority of, of the churches in our nation. So I was able to go over there and pray and celebrate Mass whenever I wanted to. So it was just incredibly beautiful villa, as you can imagine. And it was surrounded by farmland. And because of the climate there, there was several, uh, the growing season was very long and they could actually plant several crops during the growing season. And one of the reasons they could do that is because it was, it was irrigated and there's these water canals all throughout the, the countryside between the, the wheat and the corn and the, and the rice fields. One day I remember returning from work in the early evening and I was surprised by what I saw in the field right next to the entrance to this villa. There were thousands of sheep in this very uh, small herd, which was probably the, the size of maybe, area size of maybe a, a, a football field, but very densely packed sheep, just thousands of them. And I could see in the middle was, was uh, the shepherd. It was very clear to me that he was the shepherd. And around the, uh, the edges of the, this, uh, the perimeter, you could say, of these, these sheep, were, there's about three or four border collies. If you know anything about border collies, you know that they have an instinct to herd sheep. And if they don't have sheep to herd, they'll herd cats or small children. 
But the border collies, they weren't doing very much. The sheep were really managing them themselves. And it was very interesting to watch because the shepherd was walking slowly through this large field and the sheep were just following him as a group. The dogs weren't having to work at all. And the shepherd was talking to one of his assistants. And as they're talking and, and walking slowly along, the, the sheep just followed them. It was amazing. So amazing that I wanted a picture. So I parked my car, walked outside the villa with my camera, and I began to approach this herd of sheep. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. So they, they, they started to go closer and closer to the shepherd. It was fascinating because I was about the same height and weight of this, the shepherd, but they could clearly distinguish the difference between the shepherd and, and myself. And if you've ever been around sheep, like at a state fair, or if you know somebody with a farm, if you're around sheep for about 20 seconds, you're going to realize they're not the brightest animals out there. I mean, when's the last time you saw a sheep do tricks? You haven't. But they could still distinguish the difference between me and the shepherd. So this gospel which we heard, it was really just brought to life for me. The shepherd goes out of the gate, lets the sheep out, and the sheep follow him. They recognize his voice and they follow. The shepherd leads them and they will not follow a stranger, even one with a camera. It was interesting to watch this shepherd navigate the field because there's so many cana uh, canals around for the, for the irrigation, and most of them were relatively deep. I mean, even in the middle of the summer, they were at least waist deep, and in the, in the spring, they could be over my head. And to get from one field to the other, in order to cross these canals, you had to cross a small bridge or a, a piece of uh, dirt over a culvert, some were only four or five feet wide. Some were large enough for machinery. But it was interesting to watch the shepherd lead the sheep through the, through the canal. And they just followed him. Otherwise, they would have fallen into the canal and drowned. So really, this, this gospel passage, just, it really came alive for me. And I th it reminds me that of a few things. First of all, the gospel... The images which Jesus uses, whether we've, we've seen a shepherd in real life or, or a flock of thousands of sheep in real life or not, these images we can all understand. It's fascinating that a five-year-old can listen to this gospel passage from the gospel of John, and a five-year-old can understand what's happening. But somebody who's in in uh, doctoral studies to earn a doctorate in theology can take just one of these sentences and spend an entire academic lifetime pondering the fullness of one sentence. Isn't that fascinating about the scriptures? I mean, a child can, uh, can understand it, yet 
an adult with an incredible intellect cannot fully understand the, the incredible depths of it. And this image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd, it's one of the best examples of that. But I think that there's three things, three important things we can take away from the gospel this morning. The first is that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He's not one of the Good Shepherds. He is the Good Shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life as we hear in another part of the Gospel of John. He's not one of the ways, he's not one of the truths, he's not one of the lives. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Good Shepherd. And I'll be honest, this is not, this is not welcome in the world today. You may notice that the world is declining further and further into the idea, the philosophy of relativism. Relativism is very interesting because relativism states that there is no absolute truth. The philosophy of relativism says there is no absolute truth. You can believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4, and I can believe that 2 plus 2 equals 7, and we can both be right because there's no absolute truth. I think relativism is fascinating because relativism is stating an absolute that there is no absolute truth. Relativism contradicts itself, if you think about it. But in our society today of relativism, they say, well, well, Jesus is one of the ways. He's one of the shepherds. There's other shepherds that can lead people to heaven. That's not true. Divine revelation, the scriptures that we have today, tell us he's the good shepherd. And there's only one. Without going into great detail, I can tell you that the church says that people who are of different religions or have never heard of, of Jesus Christ through no fault of their own, they can be saved. But they can be saved only through the merits of Jesus Christ. It's not through another person, another idea, or another object. They can be saved. Anybody who is saved is saved through the merits of Jesus Christ. That is a theological fact which has been clearly stated from the very beginning, 2,000 years of our church. And anybody who's professed otherwise has been labeled, and rightly so, they've been labeled a heretic. Anything else is heresy. It's false. Because if we say that Jesus is not the only way, then we're calling him a liar. We're calling the Son of God a liar. I would not do that if I were you. So the first thing we can take away is he is... He is the good shepherd, and there is no other good shepherd. He is the one. The second is, we need to be able to recognize his voice and to distinguish his voice from the other shepherds, from the, from the thieves and the robbers, which are jumping the fence, distinguish his voice from the, uh, from the true shepherd. And uh, so we're not paying any attention to the guy with the camera, right? We have to be able to pay attention and closely and be able to recognize the voice of Jesus Christ. Because there's so many times and so many ways in which people in this world, they want to be your shepherd. They want to lead you, and they're going to lead you astray. Because there's one good shepherd. And if the shepherd that, we're not follow, that we are following is not that one good shepherd, we're not on the right path. And there's, I think there's many ways to, to be able to recognize the voice of the good shepherd, but it is important for us to, to pray daily 
in a, in a quiet, contemplative way, just to, to shut out the distractions, the noise of our world, and to open the, the ears of our heart and our mind to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. But I think that one of the best ways to listen to and recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd is through being familiar with the sacred scriptures, especially the Gospels. The Gospels have a preeminent point or emphasis in our, in our scriptures because the four Gospels have the words of Jesus Christ recorded for us. Sure, there's some words of the risen Lord recorded in the Acts, in Hebrews, and in Revelations as well. But well over 90, 98% of the, of the recorded words of our Lord, who is the Messiah, the Son of God, they're recorded in the Gospels. So the more we are familiar with the Gospels, the more we will be familiar with the voice of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. So that when somebody's impersonating the Good Shepherd, you can say, wait a second. I know the voice of the Good Shepherd because I read the Gospels, I listen to the Gospels, and what you are saying, it differs. So you're trying to lead me astray. So very important for us to be familiar with the, with the Gospels. So first, we have to realize there is one Good Shepherd. Second, we have to recognize His voice. And third, we have to follow. Follow that voice. Otherwise, when we're trying to cross a canal, we're going to drown. He's the gatekeeper. He's the sheep gate. He will lead us. And it's, what's beautiful is if we follow Jesus as our good shepherd, if we're able to recognize his voice and we actually follow, then, then what we hear, the very last line of the gospel today, is going to be fulfilled. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. If you want an abundant life, which is different than having abundant possessions or abundant money or abundant friends. If you want to have life abundantly, true life abundantly, you make Jesus Christ the Good Shepherd. And also in the responsorial psalm, if we make Jesus Christ our Good Shepherd, we're going to be led to verdant pastures. He will give us repose there. We will be beside restful waters. He will, he will refresh our soul. He will guide us along the right path. He will lead us through the dark valley. And in that dark valley, we will not fear because he will guide us with his rod and his staff, which will give us courage. He will spread the table before us, even in the sight of our enemies. He will anoint our head with oil. Our cup will overflow and goodness and kindness will follow us all the days of our life. And we shall indeed dwell in the house of the Lord when we recognize and follow the voice of the Good Shepherd. Praise be Jesus Christ.